Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to be reading, we're going to begin reading with verse number 4. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. If you haven't said amen. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. Amen. That word careful actually means anxious. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Amen. And verse 6 is prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Amen. The antidote for anxiety. Verse 7, in the peace of God. You notice how verse 7 starts with the word and. It's connecting the two verses. This is a direct result. Amen. Of what happens in verse number 6. If there is uh, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, it will bring about the peace of God. Verse 7, which passeth all understanding. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's the peace of God. Amen. There's no peace apart from God. It's the peace of God. And then verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And then verse 9, last verse. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, comma, do. That's a command to do those things that you have learned and received and heard and seen. And the God of peace shall be with you. Amen. Uh, If I was to title this message tonight, it's praying and thinking your way to victory. Praying and thinking your way to victory. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Thank you for standing. Amen. The book of Philippians is probably the most positive book on outlook and on attitude that you'll find in your New Testament. The reason for that statement is that this book, the book of Philippians, if you study a little bit about it, amen, even just on the surface, you'll find that the book was written to a church that Paul, the Apostle Paul, had founded on his second missionary journey. However, he wrote the book of Philippians in the midst of great persecution. In Philippians, he writes things like this. Stand fast. He's in dearly beloved. He writes another portion, another uh, part of the book of Philippians. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. He's given encouragement. He's given uh, reason to rejoice. He says, and the peace of God shall keep your hearts and minds. Also, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, that very... Uh, familiar and famous verse of scripture it says I can do all things through Christ 
It's a very encouraging book that will lift you up. And finally, he writes, amen, in the book of Philippians, he writes and he says these words, I have all and abound, and I am full. That's F-U-L-L. I'm full. I have want of nothing. It's a very encouraging few words that come from the pen of the Apostle Paul. However, what you may not know is that he writes all of these very encouraging verses while in a damp, a cold, a small Roman prison cell. And he has this positive outlook on life. The question might be asked, had Paul lost his mind? Some may ask, what uh, was his demeanor and his outlook being dictated by extreme pressure and utter exhaustion? The answer is no to both of those questions. But rather here was his secret in chapter 4. Amen. In verse number 11, he writes, For I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be a base and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Paul learned, amen, uh, something in the process of coming to the Lord and being instructed by Barnabas and others that were in, uh, very important in his discipleship. Paul learned how to change his attitude. The thing that we learn from the opening text is that we create our own attitudes by our actions and the things and the things that we think about. Amen. We I'll say that again. We create our own attitude by our actions and by the things that we think about. In other words, we are in control of our attitude because of our actions and because of our thoughts. Amen. I can change my attitude if I change my thought life and I pray about everything according to Philippians chapter 4. Amen. Here Paul is essentially saying to get your attitude right by praying and by changing your thinking. Amen. Powerful Christian living has nothing to do with chance. Powerful Christian living has nothing to do with circumstances. Powerful Christian living has nothing to do with getting the right breaks in life. Powerful Christian living has nothing to do with who you know. And it has uh, nothing to do with who you don't know. But it has everything to do with attitude. Millions live small, shaded, cloudy, dead-end, frustrated lives They are defensive towards themselves and reactionary towards others and the world around them. Everywhere that they go, they paint the canvas of their life with gloom and depression and despair. Perhaps you know somebody like that. You talk to them and all they do is complain and tell you all the things wrong with their body, wrong with their car, wrong with their house. Wrong with their marriage, wrong with everything in their world. Amen. There's nothing that really comes positive from their lips. Amen. They choose to have that type of mindset and attitude because of their actions and because of their thoughts. But they are in control. 
Some folks are like the old grandpa who loved that smelly Limburger cheese. One day while sleeping on the, in the, in the big, on the big chair in the kitchen, his uh, grandchild put some of the Limburger cheese on his, on his grandpa's mustache. And when the old grandpa woke, he exclaimed, My, this kitchen stinks. <laughs> then the old grandpa went outside to get a breath of fresh air. And when finding no change, he screamed, This whole world stinks. Remember this, everywhere you go, your attitude goes with you. Your change of attitude cannot come from outside your environment. Amen. Your change of attitude cannot come because your environment changes. Amen. Your attitude will change. Amen. When uh, you allow some things to happen on the inside of your heart and mind. In other words, it is an inside job. Amen. Having the right attitude. That is why Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says to keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Amen. Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. The opposite is also true. If you do not keep your heart with all diligence, out of it will be the issues of death. It will be, amen, a destructive nature. How if, if the heart is not being kept with all diligence, amen, a sinful thought brought again and again before the mind strengthens the natural tendency of the will to evil and leads to the sinful deed. Therefore the thoughts must be disciplined and brought into captivity to the law of Christ. My mind quickly goes, this is not in my notes, amen, but it talks about, amen, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen. I'm preaching not only to you, but I'm preaching to myself tonight. We've got to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We've got to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against God. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 7 says, For as he thinketh, or as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Amen. So that's why it is important. Rather, it is imperative. It is vital that you and I make sure that our minds, thoughts, amen, are continually upon the right things. Amen. And we don't allow things to come into our lives that would divert our attention and our thoughts from something other than that is wholesome and good and lovely. Amen. And pure and honest in the things we read in Philippians chapter 4. Amen. When Paul writes in chapter 4 and verse number 6, be careful for nothing. He talks about, I mentioned this a moment ago, how to deal with anxiety and the antidote for anxiety. It is, according to the Apostle Paul in Philippians, amen, the antidote to anxiety. Anybody struggling with anxiety knows somebody else. Amen. The Apostle Paul gives the answer. It is prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. It is getting on your face before the Lord and taking your burdens to the Lord and leaving them there. And then it's also finding something to be thankful for in your life. Amen. I think it, all, it would do all of us a lot of good if we found something in our lives to be thankful for. 
Instead of complaining about every single thing we can think about, find something we can be thankful for. If you're depressed, amen, if you're filled with anxiety, find something to be thankful for. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for a sound mind. Thank you for a future. Thank you for a hope. Thank you, God, for another chance at life. And you find the positives in life. That's attitude. That's attitude. I remember reading a story years ago in a book by John Max. We talked about two salesmen. They were shoe salesmen. They went to this. They were sent by their company uh, to this this deserted this this not deserted, but it was an island with people that have uh, that were not civilized. And, and these these two salesmen that were for the shoe company went to this island. And 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 upon getting there, uh, the first salesman looked around and he. He said, man, nobody here wears shoes. This is not going to sell very well here. And so he packed his bags and hopped back on the airplane and went home and said, there's no one that wears shoes here. There's no sense in trying to sell shoes to these people. While the second person, amen, upon arriving on the island, looked around and saw the same thing. Nobody had shoes. And so what he did instead was he called the company back home on the mainland and said, you need to, you need to put together boxes and crates of shoes. We're going to make a kill on this island because nobody wears shoes and they all need shoes. We're just going to sell like crazy. And so they there was their attitude, amen, that changed, amen, their actions that changed, amen, how they went about their life. And you and I have got to make sure, amen, I did it again today, amen, when I was not feeling too good or too hot, amen, I got to church and I began to pray. And I began to say, God, you've got to help me. God, you've got to touch my mind. And the things that I came heavy with. Amen. God, begin to lift the load in my life. You and I have got to remember Philippians chapter 4. When you're faced with worries. When you're faced with opposing forces in your life. The best thing to do is not go back to the alcohol. It's not to go back to the old relationship. It's not to go back, amen, to what you do in your past. But it's time to step forth and do as the Apostle Paul said. What you've seen and heard and been taught. It's to pray and give thanks to the Lord. Because in times of prayer, amen, our attitude is changed. In times of thanksgiving, amen, we see things more clearly. That truly I've got a lot to be thankful for. I've got a lot to be thankful for. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's prayer and supplication and finding things to be thankful for. Amen. also because the very next verse, verse 7, starts with the word and. That conjunction, that conjunctive word. Amen. There we see the connection between the two verses. Verse 6 and verse 7. Amen. If you will pray, God will give you peace for your anxiety. If you will give thanks, amen, God will give you the peace. Hallelujah. But remember, it is the peace of God. It's the peace that comes from God. And the life devoid of Christ is a life devoid of peace. Hallelujah. I said on Sunday, I'll say it again. My worst day in the church is better than my best day in the world. 
is so good. Hallelujah. Verse 8 talks about, uh, amen, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Amen. What is unchanging, what is eternal, those are the things that are true. Hallelujah. God is true. His promises are true. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. The gospel is true. Holiness is true. What is not true is the world. And the, the, the world which passeth away and the lust thereof, that is what is not true. Hallelujah. The things that are true are the things that will last. The things that are true are the things that will last throughout all of eternity. We ought to get our minds back on eternal things and not on the temporary, not on the temporal, not on the carnal, not on the flesh. But get your mind on that which is unchanging. Get your mind on the eternal truths. What is that? You, we could unpack that for a moment. That'd be there's a whole lot you can think about that's true. We ought to be meditating upon the Word of God. I think it's Joshua chapter one verse number eight it says, "This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate to do all that is therein day and night. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success." There is got to be a contemplating, a meditating, a considering of the word of God in our lives. Right. Right. Hallelujah. That is what is true. Whatsoever things are honest. Hallelujah. Amen. Thinking about things that are honest. Amen. Not trying to devise lies. Not trying to figure out ways to cheat. Amen. Uh, but Romans chapter 12 and verse number 17 says, Provide things honest in the sight of all men. And the Alicot's commentaries talks about, Let your purposes be such that all men recognize your complete integrity. Do not engage in enterprises of a doubtful character that might bring not only yourselves but the Christian body into ill repute. Amen. Consider carefully what is right. Amen. In the eyes of God. Or as that word is used, valuable. What is valuable in the eyes of the Lord. Hallelujah. I was hearing something just recently. Begin to talk about how that, that there's this phrase called creative expression. Amen. Where God begins to work in a person's life. And God begins to deal with them. And God begins to talk to them. And God begins to shine light upon their lives. And suddenly, amen, through the working of the Holy Ghost and that process of spiritual formation, things begin to come out of their lives and things are created. Amen. I began to think about this just a few days ago. Amen. The Bible tells us that we are to be like Him. We are to strive to be like Jesus. We sing about as a child to be like Jesus. To be like Him. On earth I long to be like Him. And we think that only means, amen, to be like Him, to be humble, to be kind, to be sweet. But it also means that just like He was the Creator, amen, there should be some creative acts in our lives. Amen. There should be more amen, that He finds us with at the, at the sound of the trumpet than that was there in our lives when He first found us. In other words, when we come to God and we repent of our sins, 
in our lives. But in the process of becoming like Him, we strive and we ask the Lord and we allow the Lord to work in our lives and we might create something and we might develop something and that uh, if God's given us a plot of land, that when He comes back, He'll find the plot of land just bursting with fruit, bursting with vegetables and just flourishing and our lives should be as such. Amen. God may have found some of you today. Hallelujah. And you didn't have much to offer the Lord, but God began to work in your life and suddenly you say, well, I want to do something to advance the kingdom of God. I want to start a Bible study on my job. I want to start a company and give 25% of the profits to the kingdom of God. I want to do something with my life and give Him the glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But when you have your mind stayed upon Him, God will enlighten you. God will give you direction. Whatsoever is, uh, whatsoever things are just, in verse number 8, whatever is agreeable to justice and righteousness, justice maintains right relations between men and women. Amen. Justice maintains right relations between fellow mankind. And it holds the balance fairly between conflicting interests and coordinates the rights of each with all. Amen. What is just? Amen. Our minds ought to be not how can I get a number on this guy or on that guy or this gal. How can I cheat this person? How can I uh, kind of uh, just shimmy around my responsibility and shirk my responsibility? Amen. But I, I want to do what's just in the sight of God. I want to think upon just things. And I want to be righteous before the Lord. Amen. He also writes, whatsoever things are pure, whatever is chaste, that's an old word, chastity, we don't often hear anymore in our language. Chastity or purity. Amen. This is something, amen, that is, uh, that has been not defiled. Amen. Nothing that is defiled or defileth can enter into the presence of the Lord. I'll say that again. Nothing that is defiled or is defiling others can enter into his presence. That's why, amen, there is a pearly gates at the entrance to the city. Hallelujah. Not anybody's going to get into the gate. Amen. People in our world make a big deal about the, the southern border. They say we don't need a southern border. Amen. We, we just want to let everybody in. And I'm not going to get into politics, but I'm going to tell you this. Amen. Heaven has a border. Heaven's got a wall with the big, fat, beautiful gate. Hallelujah. When the Lord stands at the gate and the book of life, the, the, the Lamb's book of life is open. If your name's there, you're getting in. But if it's not there, you're not getting in. Right. Hallelujah. Nothing that is defiled or defileth can enter into his presence. And the heart of the child of God your life, my life, is the chosen temple of God. And to bring unclean thoughts into that most sacred presence is an awful sin. Therefore, Christian's thoughts, the child of God, your thoughts, my thoughts, must be pure and must be holy. We must have pure thinking. We must have pure reading. We must have pure actions. Amen. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart. 
Hallelujah. And let the mind dwell on pure things. Amen. My prayer that I prayed since I was a boy uh, is, God, I want you to purify my motives. God, purify my motives. Don't let there come into my life a, a selfish motive that says, if I can get this from this person, if I can do that, then I can get this. But let my motives be pure. Let me love, hallelujah, without dissimulation. Let me love, amen, without expecting anything in return. Help me, God, to think like you think. Whatsoever things are lovely, amen, is your thoughts, are your thoughts based on love or are they based on bitterness? Are your thoughts based on love or is it is it based in bitterness or spite? Is your thought based on the good of the other or on the good of yourself at the other's expense? The Bible says, whatsoever things are of good report. And Romans chapter 14 and 16 says, let not then your good evil, your good be evil spoken of. Colossians 4 and 5 says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Amen. It's important to have a good report in the world. Your reputation matters. The reputation of this church, it matters. And finally, verse 8 concludes with, If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise. Now, the final filter for what our mind should dwell upon and think upon is if they be calculated to promote the general good of the church and of mankind. That's the final filter. Is it, is your thoughts to... Promote the general good of the church, the body of Christ, and of mankind? Or is it for selfish pleasures? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, amen, is your thoughts cutting somebody else down or is it building them up? And of all of these things listed in verse number 8, the Bible says, think on these things. Amen. You might also be able to uh, extrapolate from that word, think on these things. If that's a continuous word, it is to continue to think on these things. Then Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, and I'm, I'm coming to a close. Philippians chapter 2 verse number 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is in Philippians. All of these things, a lot of these scriptures are in Philippians. About our minds being right. Our thoughts being right. If we'll pray. If we'll be thankful. If we'll think on the right things that God has in his word. There's a peace of God that comes. There's there's power to do and to be. To become what God has for us to become. Consider King Saul, who once was a giant of a man. If you study your Bible, he was head and shoulders above everybody else around him. He was a stud. He was handsome. He was, he looked the part of a king, the Bible says. You saw him, you thought, that's just a stout, strong hulk of a man. Just a good, handsome Everything about him was he just visually was pleasing. He looked so good to the eye. 
He was once a giant of a man, but he had become so rotten to the core near the end of his life that even God rejected him. And he fell because his good attitude changed to a bad one. He started out good. He started out humble. He started out submissive. A servant going into a far land to find some some lost sheep. Going above and beyond. A servant's heart. However, at the end of his life, he ended up proud, arrogant, and rebellious. Nobody could tell him nothing. Not even Samuel. God couldn't speak to him. His heart was hard. Samuel wept for him. And God told Samuel, don't you cry another tear for Saul. I have rejected him. A change of attitude fell this giant. And led the psalmist David to lament Saul's death. In 2 Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 19. When he writes, how are... The mighty fallen. How are the mighty fallen? Something happened in Saul's life. He got an attitude. He got an attitude. He was there waiting. One day there was there was supposed to be a sacrifice and, and they were getting ready to go to battle, if I remember correctly. And he was there waiting on the prophet. And he said, my man of God's taking too long. I, I don't think he knows what he's doing anymore. My man of God is just, he don't communicate. He don't tell me he's running late. I don't know what's going on. I'm just left to wonder. And he got an attitude. And said, well, bless God, I think I can do it myself. I've watched enough. I'll just step in and do it. And the Bible says about this specific scenario is that Saul began to offer sacrifices in the role of the priests. And, and it was strange fire. God didn't like it. But he got an attitude. If you'd stand with me tonight, I'm talking again about praying and thinking your way to victory. And I'm going to conclude with this last few words as the music begins to play soft. It was Charles Swindoll who made the profound remarks about attitude. He said, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failure, than successes. It's more important than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance. It is more important than giftedness. Attitude is more important than skill. It will make or break a company. It will make or break a church. It will make or break a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. He said, Charles Swindoll said, I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. But what I want to talk about tonight is not just an attitude. 
But it starts with getting in prayer, being thankful, and thinking right. And we can't think right if we're all day long looking at social media on our phones. We can't think right if all day long we're looking at the news. We can't think right if all we do is uh, is do everything else but pray, everything else but read our Bible. But we have control of our attitude. And if this church, if we, I include myself, if we will pray, if we will be thankful, amen, if we will put our minds upon the Lord, amen, there is great things that God has in store, amen, if you can get through Philippians chapter 4 and do the praying, do the rejoicing, do the thanksgiving, do the thought, the thing right, think on these things, amen, that you can get to Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 13 that says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me by the help of the Holy Ghost. I can be an overcomer. I can see the victory that we sang about earlier. And my life will embody a victorious Christian walk with God. Amen. I want us to close our eyes and lift up our hands. And I want us just to just Amen. Say, God, I thank you again for speaking to my life. God, I thank you again for the word that you've delivered to me tonight. Not to my neighbor, but to me tonight. God, I pray, Lord, hear us the humble servant of the Lord. I say thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done. Thank you, Lord, for all that you are. Help me, God, to have the right attitude. Help me, God, to have the right attitude. Help me, God, to pray, to rejoice. Help me to give thanks, God, in the good times, in the bad times, in everything. Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God, I pray you help this church to have the right attitude, the right disposition, the right posture towards life, the right mindset, God. Let us be renewed in our mind tonight. Oh, we love you, Lord. Come on, would you help?